I had a fantastic time with Daniel today. We talked about what it's like to launch 50 different influencer and celebrity brands that are now doing over $250 million in retail sales, as well as why there hasn't been an influencer-led beer brand yet. Great idea. Remember to be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe. Enjoy the show. Influencers, inspiration, and Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. This is Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Here's Connor Begley. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Earned. Today, we have one of the foremost experts on brand influencer collaborations and launches, Daniel Landver. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me. And honestly, as I was putting together the questions for the show today, I got really excited because this is a topic that we've talked a lot about as a company. I think there's so much alignment and it's become so frequent for brands and influencers to collaborate. But then obviously the, the big ticket item that all that's on the minds of all the talent is like, how do I launch my own brand? And I like, I know the surface level. I know that it's good to do, but I don't know the details. So uh, today is, today's going to be fun. Yeah, well, sometimes it's like they say it's like a sausage factory. You don't want to see what's inside, but in this case, let's look under the hood, and I'll give you as much background as I can, and hopefully, uh, you know, help give some additional perspective. But it's, yeah, it's definitely a fun a fun thing that we're focusing on. It's fun most of the time, except when it doesn't work. Then it's less fun. But that's <laughs> well said. Exactly. Um, and for those that don't know, you're the CEO of Digital Brand Products which is a division of Digital Brand Architects, I believe, right? Correct. Um, and you guys have launched brands with Camila Coelho, Patrick Starr, Amy Song, The Home Edit. So some pretty big names there. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to, excited to dive in. So just to kind of to jump right off the bat, what is the brand that you're currently most excited about that's either launched recently or is coming up to launch? So we have a bunch of brands that we're working on kind of on a consistent basis. We have about... 50 brands at market right now and another 15 to 20 probably launching this year. The brands at market will do about you know, 250 million plus in retail sales, say this year alone. And every year seems hopefully are growing in terms of that volume. Uh, tomorrow, the home edit is coming out with season two of their Netflix show. And we have a bunch of exciting products and initiatives for their brand, both at Walmart and at the Container Store. So those are really exciting uh, like collaborations and partnerships, and that brand is growing really, really well and really proud of kind of seeing that evolution. Uh, Patrick Starr uh, with OS One Size Fits All by Patrick Starr also had a big launch at Sephora this week. His business has been really great there. They've been great partners. You know, his content is incredible. So anyone who hasn't uh, seen that brand should just definitely check it out as a good reference of how to be very like creative and proactive marketing your own brand. So yeah, and those actually, are two major brands of retail that were both have a lot of, uh, let's say, positive momentum uh, in a large part because of A, the great partnerships we have with our retail partners and our manufacturing partners, and also in large part because of the... Uh, hard work and initiative the talent puts into those brands. It's a huge amount of work and effort to make them successful and unique and compelling. And that's certainly where we historically have seen the brands get that do this or the influencers that do this get the most traction is when they are like heavily involved in the process and deeply interested in the category. So that makes sense. The other 
thing that you said that's really interesting to me. So you said 250 million in retail sales, I think about 50 brands. So call it $5 million per brand, um, if I got my numbers right there. And what this is, where this, um, the reason that strikes me, the reason I think that's really interesting is one of the theses I have on this space is that as a, say like as an artist, like as a music artist, you, you know, you would go out, you'd go on tour and you would have like t-shirts that you would sell, right? And I think the reality is that becoming a creator is easier than it ever has been before. And also creating products and creating new brands is easier than it ever has been before. And so for these influencers, the opportunity to create kind of secondary streams of income that actually don't like, everybody pays attention to like Terramana or Rare Beauty or these really big breakout successes. But as a creator, if you're making an extra two, three, four, five million a year, kind of launching your own brand, and all the overhead is is like a Shopify website, some in, you know in one or two internal marketing folks, and you partnering with a manufacturer to do that. Um, you know that's great for these people who often you know have their time in the spotlight and then have a hard time monetizing over thirty or forty years. And so uh, it's just fascinating to think about that as like a concept for me. Yeah, and, and only to slightly correct you is that it's not fifty brands doing five million each. Yeah, it's probably three or four brands doing fifty million plus each. Yep, and then you know another twenty or thirty brands doing one to five million each. So the spectrum in terms of the revenue, in terms of the volume, varies dramatically, and there's a lot of factors. But you're right, and a million dollar business is good. A five million dollar business is also good, and of course, a fifty million dollar business is at a little bit of a different level and everyone wants the biggest business possible, but there's a lot of smaller businesses that are really profitable, add a lot of incremental income to a creator's uh, bottom line and their passion projects for them that they're very proud of. So there's a lot of different uh, directions and let's say verticals and categories. And I wouldn't say... <laughs> It's not one size fits all. Well, that's the name of one of our brands. It's uh, <laughs> many positive solutions for many different creators. What would you say separates the $50 million brand from the 5 million or the 1 million, right? And, and a second question to that is, could you have predicted it, right? So going in, would you have been like, oh, this one's going to be 50? Or is it like, you're like, whoa, you get more surprises than you'd expect? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes you don't know and it just connects with an audience and just grows exponentially. Sometimes you go into a project or a brand with a creator and you're like, this is going to be a grand slam home run. It's a total bomb. <laughs> that's happened more than once. And, you know, it, there's so many ingredients in the recipe to make a business and a brand successful. So the question is, do I know what's going to happen? No. When we went into 2020 with a schedule of launches and then COVID hit, did we know that every retail store we were launching with was, was going to close? No, of course not. But then how do you pivot? How do you uh, figure out a solution to bring the business to market? Is it going on a Shopify website or going direct to consumer? Or is it still teaming up with that retailer in a different dynamic? Obviously, uh, events weren't on the table anymore. So there's always challenges that come up. That was a big challenge and a very unexpected challenge, but there's always things that come up along the way. Um, and, and really, 
it's not the size of the creator alone that makes a business successful. It's really a good idea that's unique and compelling. It's a creator who's really passionate and committed to that. And, you know, people who say building a brand or a product, and we use those terms, but it's really building a business, right? Mm -hmm. And building a business is hard. Um, making money in a business early on is hard. And it's really like having the fortitude and the foresight to accomplish a really challenging goal. Just because you're a creator, it doesn't mean building a business is any easier. And because you've built a great business and have a significant YouTube following or significant Instagram following or TikTok following doesn't necessarily equate to being a great operator or a great uh, brand on its own, right? It's really like taking a turn and turning a corner and using different muscles or partnering with people who help complement those uh, operational and capital aspects to help make a brand, uh, a creator brand or a celebrity type brand successful. And when you're working with these creators, like how much of those, what percent of that operation are you guys responsible for versus them? And I'd imagine there's some variance kind of creator to creator and brand to brand. That's right. So it's highly variable. Um, different creators have different, uh, it, A, it depends on what the product idea is, what the category is. Is it furniture? Is it beauty? Is it apparel? Is it accessories? Is it wellness? Really, what is the idea and how do we execute on that idea? Mm -hmm. Some ideas maybe um, are, relevant to some people like to do things themselves regardless of the category and they have the right and the ability to do that some people are looking for a really strong operating partner to connect with and leverage their let's say existing platform um, that's a really strong combination uh, making sure that those partners kind of gel well together and um there, there's so many variations of that and so many of them can work um, in, in many similar scenarios. So it really depends on, on that creator, their ambition, their timeline, their ability in terms of capital, in terms of time allocation towards building that brand. Yeah, that makes sense. And then from a kind of an economic perspective, and I know you probably can't get into this too much, but like, um, you know, how does that kind of split end up working out between you guys, the creators, the retailers? Like, how do you, how does that kind of negotiation and split up look like? Yeah. So uh, let me, maybe a helpful way of breaking it down is kind of the different types of partnerships or models that exist. So the word licensing is used very frequently. And what a license means is that um, a manufacturer or a retailer is taking the rights to someone else's IP. You know, the most successful licensor by far for, I don't know, the last 50 years is Disney. Disney yep. comes up with the IP. They have uh, Frozen. They go to every manufacturer in every category under the sun. So they yep. go to the number one lunchbox manufacturer and they give them the rights to uh, the Frozen artwork. My Three and a half year old daughter is obsessed with Frozen, so it's top of mind for me right now. And then, of course, that manufacturer pays a royalty or a percentage of sales 
up to Disney. Disney's built a multi, multi billion dollar business for many, many, many years uh, with all the amazing IP they develop uh, in, in true licensing. So yep. in the creator slash celebrity world, that's a method or vehicle that's commonly used. You could do a license with a retailer or we'll run the, let's say the operations or a manufacturer or, or a wholesaler. Another, uh, let's say, version of that is starting um, a business as a partnership. So there's some joint uh, IP or some joint equity that somebody, that a creator and a manufacturer or a, uh, I call them an operator, goes into a business together. Uh, they can capitalize it together. Or one or both entities can put in the capital or they could raise capital from a third party. And then build it out from, uh, let's say, a standalone independent basis. Yep. And both licensing and partnerships are just two vehicles towards building a brand. And then do we want to sell that brand to a retailer or do we want to sell direct to consumer and build a Shopify site or a site and you know, have access directly to our audience and there's kind of pros and cons in every single approach there's pros and cons in terms of like the valuations and multiples um, going into those businesses and it's very um, circumstantial but both are very productive in, in many cases and i know that disney was kind of famous for taking a much higher percent of the licensed revenue historically it was like eight to twelve percent that was like their typical cut that's right yep that's right and what out of the say you can talk more broadly than just the DBP brands, but like how many of these kind of influencer or celebrity brands are licensed versus kind of more equity partnerships? Uh, would you estimate? So that's a really good question. Um, I would say I don't know how to break it down on a percentage basis. I'll kind of give you a little perspective. So yeah. the two largest, call them uh, licensors or the two largest licensing companies that license out IP are Disney followed by Authentic Brands Group and Authentic Brands yeah. Group owns maybe 50 brands, including Juicy Couture and Fry, and they partner with some great celebrities like David Beckham and Shaquille O'Neal. Typically, their model is licensing. Then there's uh, partnerships like uh, Jessica Alba and Honest, which is really not a partnership. It's really a, a company she built with partners and investors and obviously has IPO'd and built a huge business. The reason it's hard to answer that question is because you don't really know as a consumer if this is uh, built out from a, a partnership or a license. And from a consumer perspective, it doesn't really matter. Yep. Uh, does Rihanna own or license Fenty? When you're at Sephora, you just love the product and you love what it stands for and she has great execution right mm -hmm. kylie cosmetics uh what model was it operating under before it got acquired it's kind of irrelevant to the consumer it's relevant to kylie it's relevant to rihanna and both of those uh, variations can lead to a huge business and a huge success 
Yeah. Was that, so talk to me about kind of your time leading up to this role, right? Um, and, and the other element I think that's really interesting for me there is, you know, for a company like DBA, right, Digital Brand Architects, which has historically just been like a talent manager, um, this has to be like totally kind of like found revenue, like found income. Um, how impactful was it to their mind? And, and I believe, was, am I right, DBA got acquired as well? Was it by UTA? Correct. Okay. Correct. I, I'd be curious. Okay. So there's like three questions in one, which I always get in trouble for asking. But one, what was your career kind of up until that point first? Yeah. Second, like what made DBA be like, this is the right opportunity? And then third, I'd be curious kind of how that now interacts with UTA, who's obviously got a lot of talent under their umbrella and who probably has a very much the same questions and ambitions. Um, you know, how, how is that now interacting with the parent company too? All right. So first part of that question is yep. my background. So my background after graduating from college is I was running or started a jewelry and accessory company, licensing multiple brands and bringing them to retailers. So it taught me a lot about design development, the power of branding, the power of leveraging a brand. One of the brands we worked very closely with for many years was, in fact, Disney, which was a great education, and, you know, using, I would call, some of the most powerful IP in, in the marketplace and bringing it to massive uh, or major retailers, different mass retailers. So I kind of learned a lot over those uh, 12 years at that business at the time I started and was working with uh, my family and my cousin. Um, along the way, uh, Raina Pinchansky, who's the founder of DBA, started DBA as a influencer, back then blogger, management agency or management company. And, uh, you know, as the market evolved, Instagram blew up. We, they weren't really bloggers anymore. It became influencers now primarily called creators, influencers, creators. Um, around 2015, we, me and DBA started talking about, uh, you know, we see how this creator economy is growing. We had the strong conviction and the strong belief that some of the talent that DBA managed were going to be the next major brands at retail. It's based on the connection to their audience, the ability to connect to their audience, ability to get feedback from their audience. Um, we strongly saw that as a major opportunity. And this was before skims or kkw or kylie or huda mm -hmm. some of these larger brands that came out of called influencer creator or social media landscape so we started dbp in 2015 um, with that thought process and in 2015 we were really early to the conversation and people kind of didn't take uh that premise seriously they were like oh well she's a blogger she's got a big instagram following so what, like maybe we'll pay her for a sponsorship, him or her for a sponsorship, um, but why would we <laughs> take that seriously in terms of their ability to build or leverage a brand? Yep. Since then, that thinking has completely changed and now everyone has seen how many successful brands there are at retail that have come out of social media and take that conversation much more seriously. And that's been great for us. And uh, I think we've been very fortunate to kind of have learned from, uh, you know, starting early, seeing that kind of 
industry um, get born, come up and learn early on. Maybe, so let's say make some mistakes. And now we're in a, I think, a good position to uh, support our clients in building their brands in a very meaningful way. Um, and then, yes, in 2019, early 2019, UTA acquired uh, DBA. So now we're under a much larger UTA umbrella. And UTA is an amazing company. And their entertainment uh, reach is across all verticals. They have a sports division. They have a gaming division. They have a huge entertainment division, a music division. They also have a digital division. And internally, they have a great uh, ventures team that does a lot of the same work and we complement each other very well. Uh, me and DVP are very focused on uh, partnering with creators and kind of all work under that larger umbrella to build brands at retail. And that, that word at retail, I'd be curious, obviously you said you had that big pivot in 2020 to like, oh crap, we launched all these brands and there's no more retail um, or we have brands coming up and there's no more retail. Um, what, you know, do you still kind of primarily do retailer, influencer kind of brand partnerships as the kind of primary launch mechanism? Or have you taken more of a direct consumer approach with any of the brands? So both. Yeah. So it's really both. And both are, let's say, valuable and meaningful. It's really an omni-channel world now where you see all of the digitally native brands opening their own stores and also going into retail or selling to retail via wholesale channels. So I, I think a brand needs both to be successful. And I think the larger retailers, mass retailers, drug retailers, beauty retailers, apparel retailers, also gain a lot of value by partnering with the creator brands because they're driving uh, traffic to them. They're engaging, their audiences are engaging with, with them. Um, so I think it's a very like harmonious, mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, it feels like it's a no duh. Like, yeah, of course, that's what you want to do, right? If you can do it, or at least that's a big part of the recipe for success. In terms of yeah. the categories, like drug, mass, this, that, the other, you know, are there particular categories that you've found are kind of better, right, for launching influencer brands in, and any that you like, we stay away from that, whether it's the margin profile or whatever it is, um, you know, we just don't think that's a good category to launch kind of brands in. So we don't look at it from a good or bad category. We look at it from authentic, engaging, unique idea. Anyone who, we don't do merch. Yep. It's a good way of looking at it. So merch is a good, large business. The DVP almost does zero of it. So we're just not in the business of putting a label on something and printing it and sending it out. Yep. And um, we look at everything in terms of building a business via a brand, so building brands. And the, the only way to do that in a compelling way is to come up with something or come up with a product that's unique and uh, audience really connects to and um, is well executed, is high quality, is uh, delivered, you know, in a timely, 
efficient, let's say, inexpensive manner, right? It's about the whole customer experience. And um, you can do that in apparel. You know, you look at Skims, came up out of nowhere, and it's a multi-billion dollar brand because it was really well thought through and really well executed. You could do that in beauty, and you see many examples in the creator space in beauty. You can do that at home. We just launched an amazing rug collection with Amber Lewis and Loloy, phenomenally successful. Um, the Home Edit, which is in the home space, primarily focusing on organization products, extremely successful uh, across multiple retailers. So uh, we are prioritizing um, engaging, unique, well-priced, high-quality products. And I think in any category, those are um, driving very positive results. For sure. I think having a unique perspective is important, right? That is aligned with kind of that creator's own perspective. That's where it becomes really kind of valuable, right? Um, while we're on that topic, you know, what are the criteria that you use to decide whether or not this is a good brand to launch? And then separately, like what advice are you giving to creators about like, hey, you're not ready yet, or this is what you need to do to get there? Like, what are the What's the kind of criteria for which you think, uh, you know, it starts to make sense to consider launching a brand for a creator? So via DBA, we're very fortunate that we meet creators in many cases early or on in their careers. DBA does a great job managing the talent they represent in terms of they start with X number of followers and work with them for many years to build out their platform, their different media opportunities. And I like to meet with uh, clients or as early as possible and kind of set the foundation. And there's no expectation or pressure for me or for any creator that they have to have a brand. Like not all creators need to be brands. You have to have the, the passion, the willingness to work hard and essentially in some cases take away from what your core business may be if you're a beauty influencer and you start your own brand is that going to potentially take away from some sponsorships in those categories yeah potentially it will so you have to be willing to do that and in some cases make those sacrifices for the bigger picture or the broader vision and in some cases it's true that as talent um, or clients or creators uh, grow, they get more comfortable with their audience, they kind of hone their point of view, they find that unique value proposition that they stand for, or a unique idea that they want to um, engage with or develop or solve a problem that doesn't have a solution on the market yet. You know, hey, I'm an expert in the beauty space, I rate a thousand products a month, but I've realized this is missing, I want to solve this problem is a really good way of approaching uh, an opportunity. Um, you could say that in any vertical or any category, or I'm such a passionate designer. I see, I have this vision. I want to bring it to market and, you know, tap into my audience, do a poll, see what, you know, they think. I did a lot of like tools, but I also, on a pure like tactical level, it could take 18 to 24 months to launch a business. So I like to kind of plant those seeds and say, listen, you don't need to do this and you don't need to do this today, but just so you know, like, let's plant those seeds, let's put it on your radar. And I want you to 
be cognizant of the fact that if and when you are ready to do this, it may take 18 months to bring to market. So please like marinate on it, you know, and whenever you're ready to discuss, we here at DVP are happy to uh, brainstorm with you, help you uh, figure out what the foundation for that business looks like, what the best structure for that business looks like, evaluate the pros and cons of multiple approaches for that business, and eventually help you bring it to market and make it successful. There's a huge commitment of time and resources. So you want to have a successful outcome. Yeah, and it's got to be tough to plan 18 to 24 months in advance when some of the times these things move really quickly. It's like, I was, uh, it's a weird story, but I ordered a trash can, right? It was like a simple human, really nice trash can, like $250 trash can, like the nicest one they have. And ordered it and actually ordered it to my old address in San Francisco. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get this thing, like whatever. So I get a LinkedIn message like two weeks later from um, uh, the woman who lives there now. And we went to the same university. Turns out she's a beauty influencer. She's actually a software engineer in our industry. And like, you know, had actually reached out about getting a job at our company, which is crazy, wow, right? Funny. Like all the, and uh, so I was like, oh, she's like, oh, we should meet up. Like, you know, I'd love to exchange notes. And she just graduated a couple of years ago. And so went to San Francisco to get the trash can, but also exchanged notes. And, you know, she launched a year ago, her channel. She now has 250,000 on TikTok and 100,000 on Instagram, which is fast. And she's not like a celebrity, right? She just hit a specific angle. Her, she kind of got this one hashtag going called brown girl makeup. And it's done really well. And so I was asking her, and she recently switched to a new job. And so I was asking her, like, well, why didn't you go creator full time? Like, you're taken off here. Like, she was earning as much income from that as she was from being a software engineer. And she's like, well, she's like, the problem is I feel like I'm actually going to kind of like age out right? Like I'm going to age out of being a creator. Eventually I get, I basically age out of my audience. And, um, and yeah, so it's just hard to like, it is, it sounds like a really difficult problem to plan. And she's talking about launching a beauty brand to plan out 18 to 24 months when things are moving and that, that, that fluid and that liquid. Um, so anyways, just commentary. Not necessarily. No, I, I, I agree. And everyone wants to move fast and be scrappy. And there are ways to cut that timeline. When I say 18 to 24 months, it's more of like a guideline that like maybe you're not ready today to start. Yep. But think about where you want to be two years from now and what that goal is and how you're getting to that goal. So it's not really like you need two years to develop one skew, but you really need to like envision uh your future what's a three to five year plan and kind of plant those seeds and like if your content's uh, food or kitchen oriented and you want to develop uh, a knife line or uh, pots and pans you know start uh, make make sure your content supports that f- future vision whatever that may be in some sense right and you know you always want um to be authentic and being authentic is that your the content you're creating and the audience is really engaged with that. And that's, I think what drives that uh, growth of following. So it's really just thinking about the long term and kind of planting those seeds, but it does take a long time, you know, uh, branding, IP, uh, trademarking, logo development, uh, legal for any partnerships, product development, you know, a lot of people 
for good reason, don't want to slap their name on an existing uh, pre-made item. They want something that's really unique. They want a special formula. They want a special design. And all that takes more time and care to bring to market. So It's one of the most frustrating things about launching a new product. Like we're launching a new product for the influencers and it's like, oh my God, it takes so long. To like I forgot how long it takes to get a, a brand or a product going. Um, but, it, but if you rush it, it undermines your reputation, right? It's yeah. all you have is like delivering to your audience and you don't want your audience coming back to you saying, oh, I got this and it's horrible. And then they don't trust you anymore. Breaking that trust is not an option, right? It's just uh, valuing that trust with your audience and giving them something that they will be so proud of or so connected to is really, I think, m most creators' goals. I don't, yeah. can't even think of an exception of anyone who said otherwise. I think it was an executive at CAA or somewhere that they were talking about. They're like, yeah, you know, you get about a half dozen to maybe a dozen like collaborations, right? They're like, and you get like one or two, maybe three brands. Like that's it, right? And if you like, and if you if you really blow it on the first one or two, like you kind of lose a lot of your trust and it's just going to be tough to get that back. And so uh, it, it kind of aligns with what you're saying there, I think. Yeah, and, and there are ways to get into the brand space and primarily doing that through collaborations. And I think that's a really effective method for creators, especially earlier on in their careers or as their audience and let's say following is growing. And the collaboration is basically designing unique SKUs with an existing brand. So it's... Uh, you know, Connor X brand or Connor X retailer. And you kind of have, it's a two-way street. You're promoting their brand. They're giving you the uh, ability to design and put your name on something unique. And you kind of help each other by, you know, in some sense, cross-promoting. And I think it also gives the talent or the creator, the ability to see if they like that process. Do I like making beauty or apparel or food or a home? Maybe I didn't like that process or maybe I didn't enjoy it for this reason or I love that so much. And then most importantly, you create engaging content, you benefit both sides and you see how the customers respond. So again, we, we just did a deal, a partnership with the uh, same interior designer I spoke about earlier, Amber Lewis and anthropology. So mm -hmm. it's a great relationship. Anthro is very happy. Amber is very happy. And um, she's designing a furniture line and in other circumstances may not have been able to. So it works out very well for both. So collaboration is kind of a good, a very good first step in many cases. And then that's a good kind of smaller test right? pilot for building your brand. For sure, for sure. So last question, and then we'll get one kind of fun end of show question. So, sure. um, you know, one of the other things that Monica, so Monica is the creator, right? That's grown very quickly through Brand Girl Makeup. Um, you know, she's like, oh, you know, have you heard of this platform? Like it helps creators launch new beauty brands and it's all online and you can do some custom work and design it, whatever. You know, that aside, I don't remember the name of the platform. It seems like there's kind of a running joke internally. Like if there's one more celebrity skincare brand, like I'm going to lose it, right? Because at Tribe, we have to track all these guys. So we're constantly tracking them all down. So um, do you think it's hit kind of a saturation point 
when it comes to launching new brands? Like, have you found that it was like easier early on? It's become a lot more difficult, a lot more crowded, or is it more just, you know, hey, we, uh, you know, you just have to have a real perspective and have a real differentiation in the market. Like what, where do you think it's at in terms of these new brand launches? Does it still kind of make a lot of sense? So it is very saturated and I've spoken to a lot of big let's say retailers and manufacturers in the space and they are saying every A-list celebrity is calling me and wants to throw their hat in the ring and do a beauty line or a cosmetic line or a skincare line. And they call and they say, I'm representing this A-lister and they want to do something with you. And they say, okay, great. What do you want to do? And they're like, oh, whatever. We don't know. We just want to do something. <laughs> like that, that That doesn't work. Yeah, so yeah. regardless of who that large creator or A-lister is, it's not going to work if it's not authentic, if it's not what they stand for, if it's not well executed. So I think it is harder to stand out because there are many good brands at retail, but I don't think it's just amongst the creator community. I think all categories are saturated and you just have to, every brand either coming from a digitally native background or a creator slash celebrity background, or, you know, any type of independent background has to deliver on quality, on price, on experience. Um, in the case of a creator brand, you have to deliver all three of those value propositions and then bring your audience along with you for the, for the opportunity. Yeah. So, I think you mentioned the point earlier. That's about, what you mentioned the point earlier about, um, you know, they're putting their own reputation on the line. Right. And I think they have to really think about it in that way. Cause if you're kind of flippant about it or you're not really into it, like it ultimately hurts your credibility. Um, and so, yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. Fun end of show. Last question. So if you, Daniel Landver had to launch a new brand, what brand would that be? What category maybe we'll say. So what's authentic to your true self, Daniel? <laughs> food. Food. I would love to do something fun in the food space. Yeah. I enjoy eating out. I enjoy dining. I enjoy cooking. I would love to do something in the food space. And I think there's a lot of interesting things happening in the food space. I think uh, fashion and beauty are mature in the creator space in terms of brands at market and have some great brands at market and have grown exponentially over the last five years. I think uh, categories that still have a lot of room for growth. I think home has grown a lot also in the last two years, especially since COVID, is uh, food and kitchen. I would love to create a food brand. We're actually working on a food brand that I think is really interesting. So I'll tell you more about that as it comes to fruition. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I too, am a big fan of food. So that would be good for me. Probably food, either that or beer, beer or whiskey. Probably beer, something beer related. But you, but you can see now there's a lot of virtual brands. There's Goop Kitchen. There's Mr. Beast Burgers. You know, a lot of, let's say, celebrities or creators or influencers are also going in the food space and doing quite well. And uh, I think you'll see a lot more of that coming up in the future. I'm kind of amazed there hasn't been any kind of celebrity-led like beer brands. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's actually a gap there. And it would be aligned with a lot of creators, uh, 
probably mostly male creators, but generally would be aligned with a lot of them. I don't know. It's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm thinking about it. Like, I know all of these kind of independent, fast-growing, big-outcome beers, but none of them are aligned with any kind of any uh, any talent. Um, there's a, Well, Fat a, Jewish did Rosé a few okay. years ago, yeah, and I'm okay, pretty yeah. sure he sold that. That did well. That was Rosé, so alcohol adjacent. There's some alcohol or seltzer. There's the Nelk. Nelk guys or Nelk bros are doing seltzer, hard seltzer, which yep. is doing apparently phenomenally well. So I, I think uh, alcohol is definitely a great space. I mean, well, there's Terramana with the rock, which is just a rock. Uh, yep. Juggernaut, yeah, which is just massive. So yeah, I think all right, the, beer is next. Connor, we're going to do something in the beer let's space. Let's do something in beer. I just have to get famous first, and then we'll do something That's in right. beer. That's <laughs> right. Well, I really appreciate you taking out the time today. I know I learned a lot. I know other people learned a lot. I could have asked 50 more questions, but we'll cut it here. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Daniel. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this as well. For sure. Bye. Bye, guys. Hit subscribe now. Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Tribe Dynamics unlocks your social media influencer community. Our platform not only tracks and measures your best influencer relationships, but discovers new influencers to grow your business through earned media. Get started with a demo today at tribedynamics.com. Tribedynamics.com.